Thank you, Jesus. God doesn't make mistakes, but we do. And I'm so thankful tonight that he washes us with his blood because it's him that can cleanse those mistakes that we make. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to waste any more time or waste any time. I want to bring Brother Brandon Nero. Worked for him for several years on the District Youth Committee. Worked with him on the District Youth Committee. And I'm so excited that he's here. He has a heart for our young adults. And I believe God has given him a word for us tonight. Brother Nero, please come. Oh, come on, let's lift our praise just a little bit longer. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our praise just a little bit longer. Hallelujah. 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 If you're glad to be in the will of God, let's give him a wonderful praise tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's hyphen our praise tonight. Let's hyphen our worship tonight. Nobody like you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And while you're standing all over the room with our hands lifted, as we entertain this wonderful presence of God, I want you to pray for the person next to you with those hands lifted. Not thinking about what you need, but thinking about where it is that God is trying to take them. What it is that God is trying to do in their life. We're going to pray that the will of God be manifested in their family, in their local church. We're going to pray for those who are watching by social media, watching through digital media. Lord, we pray at this moment that the will of God will be manifest in every person's life who is being touched by this conference. Lord, you're aware of every barrier, of everything that is serving as a hindrance in their life. God, we take authority over it through the name of Jesus. God, we declare that we have victory, that we have purpose, that our life is not by coincidence, but we are the generation that will do the will of the Lord. God, we love you because you are God of good credit, meaning we can praise you now and watch you do it later. Hallelujah. Watch you heal our communities. Watch you heal our families. Watch you heal those who are next to us. Lord, we love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, let's give the Lord another round of praise. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So good to be here tonight. So good to have this opportunity to minister. I do believe that this is a chosen hour, uh, that we are a chosen people to carry a great name. Is anybody glad to know that you're in the will of God? Amen. Doesn't always feel good, but there is purpose for my life. Bless the wonderful name of God. Well, with the, name of the, with the help of the Lord, we're going to go to the book of Kings, the 11th chapter. Uh, we're going to go to the fourth verse. Then we're going to venture... Uh, to the book of Romans at the 15th uh, chapter, verse 4. Uh, bless the Lord. And so thankful for this wonderful committee, uh, for the staff, for everyone that's helped. Let's just praise the Lord uh, one more time because 
This quality of excellence just doesn't happen by accident. Somebody had to put some work in. Amen. Thank the Lord for you. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Kings, and we're going to just examine uh, verse number four. And the word of the Lord would declare, For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Lord bless you again tonight in Jesus' name. You may have your seats. With the help of the Lord, I do feel that there is a call that is being made in the spirit in this hour. I do believe that God is getting his church together for the next move. I do believe that every person in this house has a particular assignment. You have a particular responsibility to manifest the will of God in your home, in your community, in your church. This is an hour that every apostolic needs to have both hands on full grasp so that we can grab a hold of this great ministry of reconciliation. With the help of the Lord, as I was coming to Montgomery and I was praying for a thought that would stick with the text that the Lord had given me, uh, and I felt impressed in my spirit uh, with the idea of stick with the plan. Just look at somebody near you and tell them to stick with the plan. Amen. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them, neighbor, we have to stick with the plan. As we approach our text in the book of Kings tonight as our primary resource for our thought tonight, uh, we are encountered with a man uh, that was positioned to have the greatest impact in the political sphere of the nation of Israel during the time that most biblical scholars have noted it as the time of the United Kingdom. In reality, to really understand the position that King Solomon was in, to understand the immense opportunity that he was given, one would really have to examine the uh, reign of his father before him, the king, the man, David. Uh, to look at David's reign is to understand the position that Solomon will be in. What I have to understand, what you have to understand is that the opportunity that we have right now in this hour while the world is going through all kinds of changes, we have this opportunity because someone before us was faithful to God. We need to make sure that we embrace and that we value what we have been given. Uh, when you look at the reign of King David, there are some things about his reign that are really unique to who he is. Uh, King David's reign was the reign that brought the nation of Israel into a place of prominence and economic stability. Uh, when you look at his reign, there are three key things that David did to establish the nation of Israel. The first is that he united the nation of Israel. The second is that he conquered the area that would be called Jerusalem. And the third is that he bought the ark of God back to its proper place. I believe number three is the most important thing that he did. 
It was through the kingship of David that we see that David walks into a situation where there was upheaval and there was confusion and there was disunity, but through the decision to walk in integrity. And yes, we know that later on King David experienced some moral challenges, but for the sake of the context, we're going to just focus when he was doing things right. When David purposed in his mind that I was going to give myself completely to the things of God. When David approached the setting of the kingdom, he did not walk into a kingdom that was already prepared, that was already unified, that was already organized. But it took battles, it took warfare, and it took hard decisions day after day to bring the reality of the nation, the kingdom of Israel in that hour. But through perseverance and the grace of God, King David was able to do something that eluded King Saul by bringing the 12 tribes of Israel together. The Bible says in 2 Samuel that when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, that the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over them. This is astounding considering the fact that this was a group of tribes that uh, from year to year, they were almost on the brink of civil war at times, that they were nothing less but a loose confederacy of homogeneous city-states, that this was a group of people that no other nation around them was worried about, but with the help of God. And isn't it good to know that despite whatever our situation is right now, the only thing we need is for God to get in the midst of this situation. And now we have a group of people that nobody believed that could do anything. And all of a sudden, this same group of people begin to emerge and to evolve, not just from a place of being loose city-states, but now they became a worldwide economic powerhouse that all of the surrounding nations in the Mediterranean fear. This is what God does. He takes a group of people that were nothing, that had nothing, that were not supposed to be anything. And with his help, he takes them from obscurity and he brings them to a place of dominance. Help us, Jesus. This is what God has done for me. This is what God has done for you. Do you not remember and do you not know that there were things that were poised against us as a people that we should not have ever attained the level of stability that we have had. I remember growing up and my grandparents telling me uh, what Pentecost was like in the 40s and they received the Holy Ghost in 1949 and they told me how people would come in and throw rocks in the middle of the tent meetings and even try to set them on fire while they were having church. I have to be honest with you, I've never experienced that. I haven't uh, encountered uh, heartaches and hardships to that extent. But what has happened, God has set us up to reap the benefits of another generation's struggle. Do you hear what I'm saying today? There are the, uh, some of us who will be the beneficiaries of other people's deliverance. Growing up in the house, I never struggled with smoking cigarettes. But there was a generation before me that knew what it was like to go through the wilderness of sin and to come out of fornication and to come out of alcoholism. And me, four generations later, Holy Ghost is all I know. Tongue talking is all I know. Never been tempted with the same things. We are a chosen generation. Hallelujah. There is a plan that has been put in place. Not by accident, but through strategic placement. 
It would be through David's military warfare that we see David uh, emerging from a place that was uh, somewhat just amazing because even more amazing than uniting the nations together, uh, David, when you look at his uh, beginning, David really shouldn't have been king. David didn't have royal lineage. David did not have a pedigree that would qualify him to be used for God. He would not have been, been uh, uh, voted in his class the most uh, likely to become king or the most likely to be used by God. But I'm so glad that God is not like man. God looked past all of the things that would disqualify him. And I believe if we go through here and everybody would be familiar with the story of what happened uh, with David in the field that they wanted to anoint some of his brothers because they looked like a king. They acted like a king. They smelled like a king. But God looked past all of those things and God saw that yes, I know he isn't the biggest. Yes, I know he isn't the strongest, but somewhere in his heart, I see a man that will be willing to submit to my will. And can I tell you tonight that the only thing God needs in this hour, all the way in 2020, he just needs somebody that will say, Lord, I will do your will. Don't disqualify yourself because of things that may position you to be unpopular. Don't disqualify yourself because if God be for you, who can be against you? It would be in a field surrounded by animals that God would come in and anoint this boy, this man that would lead a nation to victory that was so destitute of all future of hope and God would pick him up and begin to mold him and to make him into the person that he would want him to do, be. And what we have to realize is that after we have been in the church and after it is God has saved us and he has filled us with the Holy Ghost. And if you like where I come from, we used to say God has saved us and sanctified us and filled us with his holy power that we need to be careful that we don't forget where it is that God bought us from. We don't forget about what it is that God has done in us because what happens is that if some of us get so blessed that we forget about the God who made it possible in our life. Help us Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught up on now you got a nice car and now you have a place to live that you forget about the time that you had to walk to service and you forget about the times that you were the only person in your family living for God but we need to make sure that we don't get brand new on God and think that we're all that and that God just had to do it if it had not been for Jesus hallelujah if it had not been for his mercy if it not had not been for his long suffering where would I be David never forgot that David never forgot the stench of the field. David never forgot the heartaches of working. David never forgot what it is to fight bears. David never forgot what it is to fight lions when no one was there, but there was a God who empowered him to overcome it. David was so happy to the point that when he was bringing the ark of the Lord back into the nation, he was so excited and he got so full of joy. And I think this is something that maybe some of the elders have that I'm not saying a lot of us don't have the Holy Ghost, but what I am saying, it seems that a little bit of the joy that we ought to have, like we left it somewhere, you know, it's, we got a little too, you know, uh, just, just, just too dignified now because David, even in his position, he began to have a memory of what it is that God brought him through. 
And as he was bringing the ark of the Lord back into the nation, David got so happy, the Bible tells us that he began to dance and to praise God out of his garments. I have to be careful that I don't get so blessed to the point that I forget how to give God all of the praise. I have to make sure that I don't forget that if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, where would I be? Just look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, where would you be? Hallelujah. I know you look good right now, but where would you be? I know you're good right now, but where would you be? Hallelujah. Because if we could go back down memory lane, hallelujah, there are some things you wouldn't want anybody to know. Hallelujah. If we could go back down history's lane, there could be some things you would hope people would keep to themselves. But this is the grace of our God, that he doesn't hold us against us. He doesn't hold my hangups against me. That he looks past all of those things and he loves me and he pulls me out of this anyway. It would be in this instance that David would begin to mature and to walk into a, a place of victory. And this is the problem, I believe, why Solomon began to diverge a little bit from his father's path and the good things that he did. That Solomon never really had the memories of being in the field. Solomon really never had the memories of seeing God bring him through victories and battles. The only thing that Solomon knew was being raised in prosperity. The only thing Solomon knew was being able to come in churches with nice ceilings and nice carpets. And all these things are good. But can I tell you, there is a joy and a closeness that you begin to learn about God when you begin to experience and see him mature you in places that should have destroyed you. I need to make sure that I don't forget the price that somebody paid so that I could have something so easily. I need to make sure that I don't throw away the luxury of having a relationship with God because I did not have to give the blood, because I did not have to give the sweat, because I did not have to give the tears. They told me about the night my grandfather had received the Holy Ghost. And at this time, uh, secret organizations in the 40s were very popular. And uh, the, my grandfather came from a very long line of denominal preachers. Uh, and uh, he said they wouldn't live in nothing. They were living like the devil. That's why he didn't want to have anything to do with them. And uh, uh, the night that he was seeking the Lord for the Holy Ghost, because my grandmother had received the Holy Ghost before him, and he saw the change in her life because she was a Chapman, and she was from Moss Point, Mississippi, and they had a reputation for fighting. And he saw that how that Holy Ghost changed her mind, and it changed the way she walked, and it changed the way that she talked. And uh, because I'm a holiness preacher, it changed the way that she dressed. It changed the way that she did everything. And he said, if God can do that for you, I know he can do that for me. Well, he began to look at the change, and the Masons came, and they, they uh, began to say, it's bad enough your, your wife has gotten mixed up with those holy rollers. Uh, don't you realize if you take this path, going into that thing they call holiness, but the gentleman called it holy mess, don't you know you're going to miss out on all the opportunities to have money because you know all of them broke? This is what the man told him. All of them are uneducated. All of them are weird. And there are some of us a little strange, but that doesn't mean we're wrong. Hallelujah. And see, uh, my grandfather, he uh, told them, he looked at him, and he said, just like a thought hit him. And uh, he told the Mason uh, leader, he said, well, brothers, I don't need a Mason because I've already found a rock. 
Sometimes we are tempted to diverge from the path that God has put uh, before us because we are not established in our faith in Jesus Christ. When you really get oneness, when you really believe that Jesus is the only way, when you really have the things settled in your heart, that this is the truth, that no man comes unto the Father by me. Can't nothing else pull you out of this. Can't nothing else tempt you out of this because your heart is settled in the plan. He began to go into the text, and I, 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 I was just astounded looking at the life of David because it seemed that if anybody should not have been able to accomplish what he accomplished, it shouldn't have been David. The next thing that he did, he conquered Jerusalem. Uh, we know that David was anointed king in 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter, at the third verse. And uh, at this time, the nation of Israel, uh, they did not have a fortified city, meaning that if they did not establish a standard of separation some of the battles that they had won in the past would be failed to have victory in the future what do you mean that unless there is a wall built between what you have received victory over eventually what you have conquered will come back and conquered you Jesus said it this way that when an evil spirit is cast out that guess what it's going to wait just a little season but sooner or later that spirit is going to find seven more wickeder than he we have to make sure that in this hour with all of these blessings and with all of these victories that we don't throw away separation unto God we need to make sure that the separation that our elders have put in place is not just to make us weird it's not just to make us funny but it's to ensure that we have victory for generations to come because there's somebody that's watching your life there's somebody that wants what you have what a horror it would be for us to have all of this revelation to have all of this truth and to see the enemy of our souls, the enemy, the devil himself, come in and sneak in and steal the word of God that others have worked so tirelessly for us to have so abundantly. This is a horror that has happened to some, but we have to be so careful that we don't allow the trick of the enemy to come and fool us out of what we have been given. The last thing that David did that I believe was the, the parallel or, or the greatest thing in his ministry is that David went through the place of understanding what it is to value the presence of God. We know from the scriptural account that David was the one who orchestrated and he guided the expedition to bring the ark of God back into the place of Israel. What was in the ark of God? We have to remember from our text that the ark contained the tablets uh, which represented the word of God. It contained the pot of manna which represented the provision of God. And it represented also having the rod from Aaron uh, which represented divine authority. And with all of these things in place, this is the recipe for the glory of God. I need to be very thankful for the provision of God. We love to shout over God making ways out of no ways. But I need to be glad for divine authority that God has placed in leadership. I need to be glad for his word and for his doctrine because I don't care how good the music gets and how bright the lights get. If we do not have these three things, the presence of God will not stay in our midst. We got to have doctrine. Hallelujah. We got to have his provision and we have to have authority. 
I was talking with my wife and uh, not being critical of this instance, she was telling me about her home church, how they have gone into tremendous false doctrine. I mean, it's, it is horrible to see the direction that they have gone in. And I can tell you these three things went out of place before the presence of God left. I would come in and sometimes it would make me frustrated because I'll be teaching uh, Brother TJ on holiness and separation. and You got to be holy. And I'm going to just be honest. I'll come in there and, uh, and it feel like the day of Pentecost. And I'm saying, Jesus, now wait a minute. What's going on here? I'm trying to preach and tell them the importance of these things. And uh, one Sunday I visited her when we were still dating and I noticed that they still had some elders uh, that were holding on and coming in and having pre-service prayer. And when I came in and I looked and I saw that, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, when they leave, I leave. A few years later, those elders began to peel off the scene. You know what I began to notice in? The presence of God began to become faint. The presence of God wasn't moving in their services like he used to because they would brag about how we can do what we want to do and God is still moving here so it must not be important. Oh, we're having such a move of God that when those people who were not, uh, who were obeying those principles begin to leave off the scene. I came in one day and I said, it sounds like Pentecost. People are moving like it's Pentecost. But there's nothing here but a deception of the enemy. I have to be careful that when I'm carrying, and we are the ones, I believe, that we are carrying the ark of God into this 20th century, that I am a container for the presence of God, that I don't forget about the principles of what it took to bring the presence of God. You remember, Uzzah, that when he decided he was going to help uh, bring balance to this thing and isn't this the voice that we hear in this hour people are sh shaking stuff and they're adding to and taking from but what you don't realize is that if this is not what God has prescribed to keep his presence that we don't need to add to we need to keep it going the same way it has always gone the deception of the enemy in this hour is not to pull us all out at once but he wants us to change the plan just a little bit just change the prescription that he's given to us time ago just a little bit because he realizes that if you change it a little bit you'll change it a lot but David he began to understand the hardship of what it takes to have the presence of God in their life sometimes we don't value what it is and the life dedicated to God to keep his spirit moving within our life but can I tell you one of the greatest tragedies uh, that I've ever seen was a person that would tell me after they had a successful walk with God to say that you know what I don't know if I have the Holy Ghost anymore I don't know if God is still dwelling in my soul anymore can I tell you that did not happen overnight that happened as the enemy began to pull and change little bits of things everywhere this brings us to Solomon, and I'm coming to the, 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 uh, the top of my text tonight. Solomon was positioned to experience the greatest victory in that nation's history. Solomon didn't have to deal with the fights that his daddy had to fight. I mean, some of the, the, the fights that the elders tell me they had to deal with, I've never had to deal with. I never had to deal with an instance of this woman uh, that I knew from my city that she was seeking the Lord to give her the Holy Ghost. And her husband was uh, full of the devil. I mean, this, this guy was just in love with wickedness. And he told her to her face, pointed a finger at her face, Brother TJ. He said, I don't want a wife with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, you would say, well, shouldn't that be a good thing? He said, I want a wife that will go to the club with me. I want a wife that will drink with me and uh, engage in all kinds of immorality. What took place, that woman, she had to make up in her mind 
that if she was going to be saved, that maybe she had to leave her home because the gentleman uh, sent a threat to the saints at the church, and he was sitting on his porch with a shotgun and said, if that holiness preacher tries to come here and try to tell you about that Holy Ghost, I'm going to kill him and you. She made up in her mind that if I'm going to get it, I'm going to have to get it and die because I have to have the Holy Ghost. Sometimes when we haven't been in a position to make those sacrifices to have the presence of God in our life, sometimes we don't value it as much as we should. Sometimes I have forgotten about how precious it is to have the Spirit of God within my life. But David didn't forget that. But Solomon did because as we know, Solomon went into air where he began to pull in these foreign influences into what he knew God had called him to do. Now, what's interesting, the presence of God did not leave Israel until a little bit later into the book of Ezekiel in the time of the divided kingdom. What are you trying to say? That even during his apostasy, Solomon still understood the presence of God was in the temple. What I have to be careful of is that just because I can still feel him, just because I can still experience him to a degree doesn't mean that I'm still in the plan as I should be. What I feel is the most important thing in this hour right now is not just gaining material wealth. It's not just gaining a position in this life that will make one uh, comfortable. But it's making sure and reaffirming, Lord, what is it that you have called me to do? What is it that you have called and birthed me to do in this hour? Solomon got so caught up in the notoriety. He got so caught up in foreign influences that he forgot about the God who anointed him to do a particular purpose. As long as Solomon was little in his own eyes, the blessings of God flowed in and through him ever so richly. But when he began to let others tell him about how great he was, how wise he was, and he forgot there was one greater than him. In the New Testament, this deception, and, I, and I'm coming to my close, they were still in awe of the reign of Solomon. They still were thinking about how great King Solomon was and all the riches that Solomon had. And he was so wonderful. I mean, this guy Solomon, they were telling Jesus this, God manifest in the flesh. And you know, Jesus responded and told them about, there's one here greater than Solomon. What I have to be so careful of, hyphen generation, that despite what it is and where it is that God uses me in this life, that Jesus has to be the greater thing in everything that I do. If I'm preaching, Jesus is still the greatest thing. If I'm singing, Jesus is the greatest thing. If I'm ministering, Jesus is the goal of my desire. With everyone standing tonight, I want to pray that God would keep us in focus. He would keep us in the plan of what he has called us to do in this hour. Some of this may cause us to have some decisions that we have to make in the coming season as some of us venture into seasons of marriage, into relationship, into doing things that will be unique to being a young adult. But there's going to be a reaffirmation of what my decision is going to be in terms of following God. I'm going to have to decide day after day, not just for me, but now there's going to be a little one that's looking at you. What example am I going to give to him? What example am I going to give to my family? We are very good at receiving ministry. But where we're transitioning to now, you're going to be responsible for giving ministry. With our hands lifted all over the room, I believe purpose is sitting over every person all over this house. 
And I want us to come to a place, even those who are watching by video, wherever you are, whether you're watching through smartphone or at home, I want you to begin to lift your hands because right now I know everyone's so focused on COVID and social distancing that we need to make sure we don't get distance from the will of God. Let's lift our voices. Lord, we thank you tonight that you've called us for such a time as this. God, I want a reaffirmation of what it is that you've called me to do in this end time hour. I want to make sure, Lord, that I'm not getting distracted by temporary victories, that I don't forget the goal of winning eternal life. Lord, I want to make sure that I don't get so involved on what it is that I have and what it is that I've done, Lord, that I forget about what you're doing. God, I pray that all over this house, all over the internet, all over this district, all over this state, God, that you send a revival of recommitted passion, that we'll be passionate about the things that you love, that we'll be committed and we'll be destined to be focused on what you have called us to do. God, I pray against every distraction. I pray against everything that will come and present itself as a substitute, as a way of moving us out of the will of God. Move those things, Lord. Shake it out of our way. Give us a reaffirmation of what it is that you want us to do. God, will be so mindful to give you all of the glory. We'll be so mindful to give you all of the praise. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe it, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord a little bit more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're so thankful for that message and tonight as we we end this this conference uh, I want you to remember what brother Nero preached and don't forget the plan that God has given you for your life I want you to remember that um, some of you maybe when you were teenagers or maybe you're a teenager now and some of the visions and callings and things that God has shown you at that time, you may feel like you're at a place now where that may seem impossible. Like you messed up so much that how can I even get to where I thought God was calling me to be? But there is a place where you can come to God. Like I said, he doesn't make mistakes, but we do. You can come to God and get yourself back on the plan, on the right path that God put you on. It's not so far that he can't come and lift you up and put you back on the right path. And tonight I want to, as we end this, for those of you online, I want to thank Pastor Joel Mitchell for allowing us to use the facility here at New Testament Christian Center and the church here. And we want to thank and honor our youth president, Brother Adam Maddox, and youth secretary, Brother Anthony Roberts, district officials, Brother Davidson, Brother Roberts. And I just want you to, when you leave your computer or your watch party or whatever you're doing tonight, I want you to remember that God has a plan and you need to stay on that plan, all right? All right, well, thank you for watching. 
and joining in and worshiping and singing and preaching with Brother Nero. And we have so many things coming for you in the future with Hyphen. And we look forward to sharing those things with you in Jesus' name. God bless.